be in the book of Joshua, and uh, chapter number 3. We'll read a few verses here, and uh, try our best to give you what the Lord has given to us this morning, and uh, certainly desire your prayers, and I'm very well aware that I can't do anything without Him, and I need His help today, need your prayers that the Lord would touch us, and help us, my desire uh, to be a help and a blessing to you today, if the Lord will help us uh, to do so, that's what our desire is, and I trust that He will this morning. Joshua chapter 3, when you found your place, if you're able and are willing to do so, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Joshua chapter 3, and a probably somewhat familiar passage of Scripture, at least uh, the story or the events that have taken place to bring us to this point should be familiar. But in Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 1, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then shall ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way, Heretofore, and Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, here in the Scripture, we know that as we read through this book, and we're here in chapter number 3 this morning, But of course Moses has died and now Joshua, the Bible says that he's been magnified by the Lord in the sight of all the people. Matter of fact, the Lord is going to magnify Joshua here in chapter number 3 and let Joshua know in verse number 7, the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And so Joshua is taking over the stand of Moses, and he's going to lead the people into the land of Canaan. Now we know that they have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Many of them have died because of their unbelief, And because of their disobedience, when they sent the spies into the land of Canaan, ten of them came back with an evil report. But Joshua and Caleb brought back a good report. They never did deny the fact that there were giants in the land. They never did deny the fact that there were battles that they had to fight. But they said, the Lord is able to deliver them into our hand. But the Bible said the people believed the ten rather than the good report of Joshua and Caleb and they lifted up their voice and they wept and they would not go in because of their unbelief. 
Now that generation has died. The only ones that are left from that generation are Joshua and Caleb. And now the stead has come to Joshua. The responsibility of the duty to lead the people into the land of Canaan. They're going to have to cross Jordan in order to do that. They're going to come to Jordan in the time of the harvest when Jordan had overflowed all its banks. And the Lord is going to perform a miracle for this generation just as He did in the generation previous when He parted the Red Sea and allowed them to cross over on dry ground. He's going to do the same to the Jordan for this generation. But there are specific instructions that the Lord gives to Joshua and that Joshua gives to the people on how they're going to make it across Jordan and to the land of Canaan. And here in the scripture we read this morning uh, Joshua's instruction to the people in verse number 3 is where I want to preach this morning. Uh, If God will help me for just a few minutes and you'd pray for me. uh, Where the Bible said that Joshua sent the officers uh, uh, through the people and they commanded them saying uh, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests the Levites bearing it then you shall remove from your place and go after it now I want to preach this morning if God will help me on going after the ark uh, that's what's being said here for Joshua his command to the people is to go after the ark now we know in the word of God there's a lot of types and and a lot of typology in the Old Testament concerning Christ and applications that can be made to us today in the New Testament age. We understand that the Ark of the Covenant is a type of Christ. It is also a type of the manifested presence and power of God among His people. You'll remember that everything in the Old Testament always points toward the New Testament. Matter of fact, there was a debate that day among the Pharisees and the religious crowd in John chapter 5 and Jesus said unto them search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and Christ said they are they which testify of me now what was he talking about he couldn't have been talking about the New Testament they didn't have a New Testament at that point but he was talking about all the scriptures of the Old Testament. He said, they are they which testify of me. In other words, there are types and pictures that are pointing toward me and now I've come to fulfill all that was prophesied and pictured of me in the Old Testament. And so the ark is one of those things. It is the the, the picture of Christ, the picture of the manifested presence and power of God among his people. Now there were times in the Old Testament that the ark was not with them. They did not cease to be the people of God, but they ceased to experience the power and the presence of God. And so there are days in our life I feel like sometimes, especially in these days, that we get our focus shifted off the things that really matter and get our focus
focus on things that don't matter so much and we lose this manifested power and presence of God. It is said there are many terms, many phrases that signify. Some say it's being spirit-filled. Some call it the abundant life. It is a command in the Word of God in the New Testament to be filled with the Spirit. Now I think Joshua here is saying to go after the ark. I believe in our day in this church world what the church needs is to go again after the ark. It signifies a lot of things. When you decide you want to go after the ark it signifies you have a desire for the power and the presence of God. I thought about as the Lord began to deal with my heart last night and began to work this in me. We could compare the days of Saul with the days of David when we talk about the desire for the ark of God. In the days of Saul, the Philistines came and they took the ark away. And there's great type there. The Philistines in the Old Testament were the perpetual enemy of the people of God. They were a type of the flesh, which is our perpetual enemy. That word means ongoing. It's a constant battle with our flesh. It was talked about this morning in the Sunday school hour about the war in the mind and the war with the flesh. And so it is a constant enemy. And if we're not careful, we'll allow our flesh to steal away of the power of God in our life. The, the old preacher said the hardest thing that a believer will ever do is to maintain the power of God in their life. And that's because it's a constant battle. That's why Paul said he had to die daily and he had to crucify the flesh and to be crucified with Christ. He said I am crucified with Christ but nevertheless I live yet not I but it's Christ who liveth in me. And he said the life that I now live in the flesh. He didn't say I live my life by the flesh but he said I live it in the flesh and he said I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so there is a battle. And if you're going to go after the ark, you're going to have to desire to have it in your life. It can't be a halfway thing. It can't be a just sort of kind of thing. But when you understand and realize there are going to be battles and wars to fight to maintain it, there must be a desire in you as a child of God to have the power of God and to go after the ark. See, the Philistines stole it in Saul's day. And Saul reigned for at least 40 years, I think, if we read the Word of God. And when David came to power, David said, we got to go after the ark. And the people said, we inquired not at it at all in the days of Saul. You say, what happened? They just got complacent. And they got used to living life without the ark. I'm afraid, and I'm just preaching this morning what's on my heart. I'm afraid we're living in a church world today that we have become satisfied living our life without the power of God. We have become satisfied going to church and going through a routine and going through rituals and going through the motions like robots and going back home, checking it off our list until the next service rolls around and we have become satisfied operating our daily life without the power of God. I believe that's right. 
I believe personally, and I'm saying I believe, my opinion. I believe personally, that's why mega churches are on the rise. Because people have tried to figure out some things that a substitute for the power of God. They understand that something's missing. And so they think if they can come up with enough activities, enough programs, enough games and gimmicks, thrills and frills, if they can have enough ball games, if they can have enough hot dog suppers, if they can have enough breakout sessions, if they can have bright enough lights and loud enough music that somehow or another it will substitute the lack of the power of God. And it was so in the days of Saul. They did everything they did without the power of God. And they operated complacently satisfactory without it all the days of Saul. But when David come to power, and David was not a perfect man, we understand that. The Bible's very forthcoming about David's faults and David's failures. But one thing I'll say about David, he had a desire to have the ark. He said we've got to have it. And there's a right way to get it and a wrong way to get it. And David tried to do the right thing a wrong way and it didn't work. And there are a lot of people in our day that are probably trying to do the right thing but they're doing it the wrong way and it never produces good results. Matter of fact, I mean, if we, you read the scripture and I'm not belittling David, we got to understand, put yourself in David's shoes. David had a great desire to have the ark. He had a desire to have the power of God again. He had a desire for Jerusalem to flourish. It hadn't flourished in the days of Saul. The writers in the Psalms wrote about Jerusalem. They said it's the joy of the whole earth. Jerusalem was a place of glory when God's power was there. Think about the New Testament picture of Jerusalem's the church. And the church is a place of glory when the power of God is here. The church is a place of splendor. It's a joy of the whole earth. It's a wonder of the whole world when God is in the house. But David said it's not been that way. And so David, with good intentions, mind you, I think there are a lot of people and we're really quick and I'm just preaching my heart this morning and telling you what the Lord's telling me to say. We're quick to judge people and judge this church and judge that church. There are a lot of people that have good intentions trying to do the right thing. They're just doing it the wrong way and many of them have never been told how to do it the right way. I believe that's right. There arose a whole generation in Judges chapter 2 that didn't even know God nor the mighty acts He had done. And it wasn't their fault. They didn't know it's the generations before them that fell short. David said, I'll do this. He said, I'll build a new cart. I mean, David wanted the best. He said, I'll get two oxen that have never pulled a cart before. They've never been used for any other labor. He said, we'll go down there. We'll all dress up. And we'll sing and we'll dance and we'll worship and we'll rejoice. And they got the ark, they put it on the cart. Everything seemed to be running well. And that's the thing about doing things a new way. It might run well for a while, but there'll come a day that it'll stumble and produce death. A lot of people wanting a new way. A lot of folks today wanting a new cart 
and a new way to do it, but there's but one way, and God's never changed His way. He didn't change it for David, and He's not changing for us today. Oh, but they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, and the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah was there. He loved the ark too. He had good intentions, and the oxen stumbled, the ark shook, and Uzzah put forth his hand so it wouldn't fall. And God killed him. And the Bible said David was sore displeased with the Lord that day. He didn't understand why. He called the place Perez Uz, which means God has brought forth a breach upon us. And David said, I don't understand. I've done my best, and yet God still killed a man. But it's when David went back and he read the words of God. He understood God had a way. Priests, the sons of Levi, sons of Aaron were to carry the ark and nobody else. No man's hand was to touch the ark. No man was worthy. And that speaks volumes. In our day today, we can't manifest. We can't make God show up. We're not worthy to touch Him, to touch His presence, to feel His presence. But He blesses us and graces us with His presence because He loves us. David had desire David parked it over yonder in Obed-Edom's house, the Gittite. And David went home to figure out what he needed to do. If David didn't have a desire, David would have went home and he'd have forgot about the ark, said let it stay in Obed-Edom's house. But David went home and he got serious with God and said, Lord, show me the way to get it back where it needs to be. David had a desire. That's why he went after it. Now, I'm going to say in these days you won't go after it unless you've got desire to go after it. But not only does going after it signify you have a desire, but I want to say going after it signifies there's delight in going after it. Because you see, when David goes back to Obed-Edom's house to get the ark where it's been parted, the Bible said that Obed-Edom's a Gittite. He's not a Jew. He's not of the children of Israel. A matter of fact, if you study that word guillotine down to his lineage, he would have come from the Philistine household and from the place of Gath where Goliath was from. And so here's an enemy of God. I mean, if you want to break it down for what it is, here's the enemy of God, the enemy of the people of God, but God's presence and God's power is parked at his house. And the Bible said God blessed everything that Obed-Edom had. And everything means everything. I don't know. I'm just reading between the lines. Maybe it had been a few years and Obed-Edom had tended his crops and he just barely got by. But all of a sudden the corn that just barely produced one ear was putting out 10 or 12 per stalk. And the beans that wouldn't grow and they turned blighty on them and turned brown all of a sudden was hanging low with all the weight. And the grapes broke down the vines. And everything produced and God was blessing everything that Edom had. And when the camels went to, uh, went to calve, they, they produced twins. And the sheep uh, produced twins. And the oxen uh, produced twins. And all and on and on. And Obed-Edom, uh, the only conclusion he could come to uh, was it had something to do with the ark. 
And so David comes back one day in Obed-Edom's mind. He's probably laying in bed at night and telling his wife, I hope he lets it stay here. I hope he don't ever take it away. And maybe his wife says, Honey, what are we going to do if King David ever comes and takes it away? He said, We'll just pack up and go with it. Wherever it goes, we're going to go. And that's how the Scripture records it. What leads us to believe. There comes a day that David pulls up and he says, Obed-Edom, I've come for the ark. And Obed-Edom says, Sir, now we've got to understand he's addressing the king of Israel who could have his life at any moment. And he says, Sir, you can take the ark. But he said, I'm going with it wherever it goes. He said, I ain't never been to Jerusalem. I ain't never been down there where you're from. I don't know if I can find a place to live. I don't know if I can find money to make it by. I don't know if I can feed my family down there. But he said, that ark's done so much for me. I'm going to go with the ark. You say, what are you talking about? There was delight in Obed-Edom for the ark's sake. It wasn't because of the corn. It wasn't because of the twins. It wasn't because of the grapes and the beans. It was about the fact that God's presence was where he was and there was delight in that. Obed Edom had never experienced anything like that before. Now I'm going to tell you if you're saved and you've ever experienced the power of God. I'm talking about if you have ever got beyond this world and seen in worlds to come. If you have ever got past yourself and it's been all God, you'll never be satisfied until you get back to that place again because there's delight in the power of God. And if you see the delight in it, you'll want to go after it again. You say, how do you know he went after it, preacher? Well, the Bible said that David come and got the ark and he knew how to do it this time. He got the priest and he got the Levites and they run them stays through the rings and they picked it up on their shoulders and they went a few paces and they stopped and they sacrificed and they sung and they danced and they picked it up again and walked a few more paces and they sung and they sacrificed and they danced and all and on and on they go. And they get back to Jerusalem and David said, now I've appointed everybody to carry the ark. He said, now I need some singers. Have we got any singers in the bunch? And the list goes down, this one and that one. That are all Jew names, and then toward the end it said, and Obed Edom. And then he said, I need somebody to be a porter, stand guard, and make sure nobody comes and gets the ark. So and so and so and so, and so and so and so and so, and then at the end, and Obed Edom. And then we get toward the end, and it talks about Obed Edom coming into the house of God with his sons, and his grandsons, and his great grandsons and the Bible calls it a great host and a great number you say what happened preacher he got delight in the ark and he went after it I'm going to tell you this morning there'll be nothing that'll delight you anymore than the power of God There'll be nothing else that'll delight you anymore, that'll do you any more good, that'll satisfy what's down inside you than being around the power of God. And you're going to have to go after it. It's not about you just standing where you are and not just sitting idly by. But there's going to have to be a desire in you and a delight in you. And it'll produce a desire to go after where the ark goes. I want to say here in the text... If we read these verses, if I'm reading my Bible right, 
there's not only does it represent that there's a desire and a delight, but going after the ark represents there's a dependence upon it. Yasha said you're going somewhere you ain't never been. And the only way you can know how to get where you're going is to follow the ark. I'm going to tell you this morning, we've entered uncharted territory, uncharted waters in our day. And the only way you and I can know how to go, only way we can know which way to go, which step to take, which turn to make, is to go after the ark. Let Him lead you. Don't go by your way. Go by its way, His way. Follow the ark. You say, but preacher, what's so special about this ark? Why should I desire it? Why is there such delight in it? Why are you saying I depend on it? Well, I begin to study the Scripture and the Lord begin to deal with my heart about and I understand that there's a whole lot of preachers and I'm not judging them as between them and God and I'm not preaching about them this morning I'm preaching to you there are a lot that will try to misconstrue and stretch typology from the Old Testament to make it fit a message for the New Testament age and I'm not about that this morning but let's just take the ark for what it was and how it can speak to us this morning the ark was what made them acceptable in the sight of God the ark's where the mercy mercy seat was. The mercy seat's where the blood was to be applied. There could be no right sacrifice without the ark being around. I'm telling you this morning, Romans 12 said we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, but you can't do a right sacrifice without the ark being in your house. And so it makes you acceptable in the eyes of God. When God looked down on the people, He didn't look at the people, He looked at the ark. And He judged the people by the ark. We better thank God this morning that when God looks at us and we sing that song or have sung it, other people, you've heard it sing, when He sees me, He sees the blood. That's exactly what happened in the Old Testament. That's the type of the ark. God don't look at me and see me as I am. Thank God. But He sees me through Christ. Christ being a type of the ark. And God judges me based on what He sees in Christ. Not on what He sees in me. And so the ark was a place According to the Scriptures here, if we read through the Word of God, the ark was a place that made them acceptable in the sight of God. I was saying, I'm about done this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with doubts and questions and fears. The ark is what gave them assurance. When the ark was in the camp, they knew God was in the camp. And they knew not only was God with them, but God was for them. Matter of fact, when that ark got places it ought not to go, God judged the people that stole the ark. We can go back in the Old Testament and read about the Philistines, how they were smitten with diseases and afflictions, all because the ark was not where it belonged. But when the ark gets where it belongs, there's joy and contentment and glory among the people of God, and it gives us assurance about what God is able to do for us. I feel like, and I want to, be real careful what I say here and I really feel like the Lord wants me to say it. I feel like 99% of the doubt and the confusion among the people of God could be fixed if they'd just go after the ark. 
I feel like a lot of people could live in victory instead of defeat if they'd just go after the ark. A lot of people could get out of the trouble they're in if they'd just go after the ark. There'd be a whole lot less sleepless nights and worried tear-stained pillows if folks would just go after the ark. Understand, just having the ark in the camp does not mean that all problems are gone. It does not mean all suffering's gone. It does not mean there'll never be another battle. It does not mean that, matter of fact, it was the ark of the priests are leading them into the battle. And when the ark goes before, there's confidence and assurance that God will help us in the battle. I'm telling you, there are battles ahead. Some we've never fought before. But if the ark goes before us, and if we follow it in the battle, the Bible said if God be for us who can be against us there'll be assurance in you that you can face the battle that lies ahead some of you are here this morning and you face battles and you never thought you'd make it through but you're here today and you're here today because the ark brought you through I'm going to tell you, I've been through some battles in my life and I don't really feel compelled to go into a whole lot of detail, but I've laid in the floor before. I remember one specific battle in my life early on where God was dealing with me to do something and I didn't want to do it after I'd already surrendered to preach and was pastor of my first church. And I remember being alone in the house all by myself and laying in the floor of what was my study at the time in the fetal position with my knees up around my chest. And I of saying God I don't know how I'm going to do it but if you'll help me I'll go if you'll help me I'll do it whatever you want me to do I'll do it and I'm telling you looking back now it's because the ark brought me through that I'm here today I am where I am Paul said by the grace of God and it's because of that you're here today so let's just go after the ark and have assurance in our heart that God can and God will bring us through there's assurance and there's acceptability. But then it was the ark. If we're going to take this text right here for what it's saying to us, it's the ark that made them able. They could not go where they need to go unless they followed the ark. And the Lord wanted them. Now, we're not preaching this morning that they're crossing Jordan, death, and going to Canaan, heaven. But we're talking about going through the battles and the strifes and the trouble of this life to reach that abundant life that God has for us. That Canaan land here in this life. And they couldn't know the way to go. They wouldn't know the way to take. They wouldn't be able. They could not have crossed the first battle. The first obstacle, the first hurdle was Jordan. And it took the ark to get them across. And I'm going to tell you this morning, there are a lot of people who are standing by the sidelines saying they can't. And they're right, they can't. But if you have a desire for the ark, and you delight in the ark, and you're dependent on the ark, and you're willing to go after the ark, the ark will make you able to go across your Jordan. The ark will make you able to bring down the walls of Jericho. The ark will make you able to overcome the enemies and the obstacles. The ark will help you this morning. If you'll go after it. Joshua said, remove from where you are today. I think there's a lot to be said about that and I'm done this morning. There's a whole lot of people get saved and then they won't stay there for the rest of their life. I'm going to tell you it's time for some people to remove from where they are today.
to get up from the infancy of Christianity, to get up from the baby stage, to get up from the adolescent stage, to go after the ark. Joshua said, when you see the ark, go after it. Follow it where it leads you to go. Joshua did not. There's as much this morning to be said about what ain't in there as there is about what is in there. Joshua did not sit down with them and say, now here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to the Jordan. God's going to make a way across. We're going to go to Jericho. God's going to make the walls fall down. We're going to take that city. We're going to go a little farther and meet another enemy. God's going to take them down. Joshua never said that. He just said, when you see the ark, know that that's the way you got to go and get up from where you are and follow the ark. It does not say that God is going to tell us every obstacle that's ahead, every hurdle we have to overcome. we just going to have to put our faith in Him and when we see the ark moving, get up from where we are and follow the ark. Joshua did not say go whichever way you want to go. He did not say if half of you want to go tonight and half of you want to go tomorrow, if you this group wants to go around this way and this group wants to go around that way. He said, follow the ark. I'm afraid in these days the reason so many people are in the trouble they're in is because one group's tried to go this way and one group's tried to go that way. This route seemed better and that route seemed better and this, this journey seemed easier and this way seemed better. Everybody quit following the ark. What Joshua is saying to them is you don't move till the ark moves. And when the ark moves, you get up and you follow it. And I want to say in these days, I've thought about over the last few days, I really have. I thought about Wednesday night. I missed being here. And I missed my people. I thank the Lord for helping us there. I'm glad the Lord's not bound to these four walls. I'm glad He can help us where we are. But I thought about this little people on the side of the road and then we come this morning I know some are not here and I wish they were but the Lord knows why they're not and where they are this morning. And I thought about what Brother Tim said this morning in the Sunday school hour and I, I felt like crawling under the pew, you know, and I understand that God's put me in this position and I have the calling of God on me but I don't feel worthy. But I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if I'm going to lead them people, let me see the ark. Let me see it better than I've ever seen it, clearer than I've ever seen it. I don't want our church to make a move that the ark don't make. I don't want us to stay behind while the ark marches off. I want to follow the ark. If the ark goes to the right, I want us all to go to the right. If the ark goes to the left, let's make a sharp turn to the left and go after the ark. I want to stay with the ark. The Lord's been so good to us. Manifested Himself among us in mighty power in days gone by. But that don't have to be a yesterday thing. We don't have to tell our children about what God used to do or how God used to move or what God used to be. God's the same God today. He can move the same again, do the same again if we'll just follow after the ark. I'm not saying forget all them things. Sometimes I think we're a little, and I'm trying to get done this morning, but sometimes I think we're a little too strict about the past. I understand we can't live in the past. 
I understand if that's all we have is the past, we're in bad shape. But we better not forget about the past. When the ark came to Obed-Edom's house, he didn't forget about what God had done. It was what God had done that moved him to go after God today. And I'm telling you, don't forget about what God has done. And don't forget about all them Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights when we come in feeling like throwing up the white flag and the power of God came by. Don't forget about the sleepless nights when God passed by where you were and moved your way when He answered prayer when he moved mountains for you and let that delight in you and work in you and both a greater desire in you to go after the ark. Let's go after it as individuals. Now I believe that it could be said and I'm done this morning, I really am. I believe it could be said that as individuals they went after the ark. But I also believe it can be said that as families they went after the ark. There's some little babies, they didn't know anything about going after the ark. They're going to have to have mama and daddy to follow the ark for them. Oh, there'll come a day when it comes to their house, when it comes to them, when they reach that age and the Lord deals with them for their self about following the ark. But until then, they're going to have to have some mamas and some daddies to follow the ark for them. And when they look up and say, why are we going this way? The only answer you can give is cause the ark is going this way. And I'm going with the ark. I don't know how old the sons of Obed-Edom were when David came back to get the ark. And maybe along the journey they said, Daddy, why? Have we packed up all our stuff? Why? Are we leaving the house and the farm behind? Why? Are we leaving all our neighbors behind? And Obed-Edom's answer would have been, because the ark's are going, and where the ark's going, I'm going. There may have been some days when Obed-Edom saw that the curiosity of those children were coming and they needed more than just because the ark said so. And I wonder if Obed-Edom, Brother Tim, didn't build a fire sometimes at night and gather them bigger boys around and say, Boys... He said, do you remember all them years when we barely struggled and, and it never would rain and our crops dried up and they failed to bring forth and we was scraping by and me and your mama did without so y'all could eat and we had to go out and gather sticks and twigs to burn. We didn't have no firewood and had no way to buy it, no way to heat the house and, and we barely could squeak by and they'd say, yeah, daddy. And he said, you remember that day when a man pulled up with a big old cart and two beautiful cows and a big old gold box on the back of the cart they said, yeah, Daddy, the ark. He said, yeah. He said, do you remember all them days after the ark come? How that corn that was dried up suddenly turned green again. And the ears that were barren suddenly doubled in size. And how the grapes hung down. And the firewood rolled in by itself. Already busted and already split. And ready to go in the wood stove. You say, preacher, you're getting out there. I'm telling you, if you ever follow the ark, you'll get out there too. And they said, yeah, Daddy, we remember all that. Daddy, why'd all that happen? He said, boys, the reason all that happens is because of that ark right there. And he said, that's the reason why I packed up when, it, when David come to get the ark. He said, that's the reason why I packed you and your mama up and put you on my shoulders and sold out everything I had and followed that ark. He said, it's because of that ark that I'm here today. And he said, it's because of that ark here I stay. And I'm telling you, parents and myself, there's going to come a day that it's going to ring true in them. It's because of the ark. It's because God. It's because His power. And He can do it for them too. Amen. 
But until then, we better follow the ark. Until then, when it moves, let's move. And not just as individuals, not just as families. But I think it can be said that as a congregation, they followed the ark. And I'm going to tell you, I, I read in my Bible at times, but not in this place. I'm telling you, there's as much that ain't in there as is in there. I read one time where two and a half tribes decided they was going to stay back on the other side of Jordan, but that's not at this instance. At this instance, they all as a congregation followed after the ark. I just see in my mind as they're following, there's probably days that some of the older ones sat down and said, I don't think I can go. Or some of the little ones said, what's the use in going? But I'm glad for some men and women, just like was taught this morning in the Sunday school era, that when the old ones come and go, they looped around them one on one side and one on the other and said let us help you it'll pay off to go after the ark I'm going to tell you there are days that the best we can do we don't feel like we can go on anymore but thank God for some men and women among the people of God that will yoke up with us arm in arm and say come on brother and come on sister It'll be worth it after all. Ain't that what the writer of the song said? It'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. And I'm going to tell you to follow the ark. It will be worth it. Let's go after it. As individuals, as parents, as families, as a congregation, as a church, Lord, help us to have a desire to go after the ark. Help me, Lord. To have a desire to go after the ark, to see the delight that's in the ark, to see my dependence upon the ark. I can't do it without it, and neither can you. So let's go after it this morning while we stand. I think maybe we ought to all over the house. I'm done.